The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is the Pick 6 Podcast, and this is Sunday Night Super Friends. That's Will Brinson. I'm Ryan Wilson, and this is Sunday Night Super Friends Week 15 NFL Recap 2023 Edition. Remember, Breach, if you know how to use a computer over there, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on the old YouTube.NFL on CBS, and of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss a show. All right, you know the deal, boys. Going to hit our top 10 takeaways from Week 15 which has been the week of blowouts, starting with what the Raiders perpetrated against the old Chargers on Thursday night, cost some folks their job. But we're going to start in Buffalo, where everyone but Ken Dorsey is still employed. The Bills are back, baby. Josh Allen was quietly having a lights-out season when the team was struggling. And now the rest of the offense is caught up, starting with the old resurgent run game there. Shout out James Cook. The Bills are now 8-6, and six, have beaten the Chiefs and Cowboys in back-to-back weeks. And suddenly their schedule looks a lot easier. I'll repeat what I said on this podcast three weeks ago, Breach, and only me. This team is making the playoffs, and they could very well end up winning the division. Robert Wills Brinson, what's your biggest takeaway from today's throttling of the Cowboys by the Buffalo Bills? That the Buffalo Bills are going to make the playoffs, and that if the Bills – so the Bills averaged 6.3 yards per pass attempt – and James Cook averaged 7.2 yards per rush attempt while ha- while carrying the ball 25 times against this Dallas defense. If the Bills can run the ball like that and play defense the way that they play defense against Dallas, and I think Greg Olson uh, maybe pointed out that the, that the Bills are kind of just a perfect defensive matchup for the Cowboys, which is a problem. Uh, but I don't know this is necessarily, and you look at this list of Bill's history. Anytime you're on a list with OJ Simpson, you know, you did something really good or really bad. Um, and James Cook is on there, uh, 200 scrimmage yards, rush touchdown and a receiving touchdown in a game. I mean, Josh Allen had 94 passing yards and said he felt like the kid in the group who got an A or the, the group, the group project got an A and he, he didn't do any of the work, which is I, how Brinson he, got through school. That's how I film this podcast every Sunday night. Um, Ooh, that's just funny. kidding. 
That was yeah, nice. Uh, Josh, awesome. Josh Allen scored a rushing touchdown. He facilitated the offense. I thought that you know conditions were kind of nasty for part of this. And more importantly, the Bills came out and just exerted their will on the ground. And I think what we've seen from Buffalo the last couple of weeks, and you can go back to before the bye, really, um, in, in that off- offensively, they've just been different. They've kind of opened things up in different ways and have just been, and I don't know if it was a Ken Dorsey thing. They just, they just look like they're saying, bleep it. We don't care. Let's just go, let's go be physical and be aggressive and be, and be dominant. And I thought that Josh Allen was going to have a huge game in this one. He didn't have to, and the bill still rolled. Hey, let me uh, follow up on that. Cause I think you're right. I, I think it is a Ken Dorsey thing. Maybe. And I think who called that game? Oh, um, sorry. I would, I would point this out too. I, I, and I, I'm, I apologize for not knowing, not remembering who said this. Um, but actually it was, uh, it was, uh, oh God, I, I'll remember in a second, but the bills under, under, uh, Joe, Joe Brady have started, they, they were the, like the bottom five team in terms of using pre-snap motion under, um, Ken Dorsey and now are like uh, in the top 10 or top five. And so, I mean, I don't know. That's a difference maker when you start talking about like modern football approaches. Yeah, I think it was Greg Olson. So he said that, and what he also said was that they're running the ball a lot more, which brings us back to James Cook. If you're listening, there's a beautiful graphic of James Cook on the screen here. And Breach, I'll point this out to you, and then you can take it any direction you want because you are celebrating like Jake Brown and just got cut by Rick Spielman. So at week 15, <laughs> the Bills had the best rushing EPA in the, in the, uh, in the week of any NFL team. Week 12 against the Eagles. They had their bye, and then they played last week. They were 23rd. So they're moving in the right direction with the run game. The balance is there. And Josh Allen is still really, really good. Yeah. I I mean, Josh Allen is good, but this was the best way the Bills could have won in the sense that they know that, hey, look, Josh Allen threw for 94 yards and we beat a very good team 31 to 10. To me, that's a huge confidence booster that, hey, if Josh Allen has an off game next week, two weeks, maybe in the playoffs, we can still win. Because we have a rushing attack. And if you look at the Bills this season, and I'm just going to break it down simple here. In any <laughs> game where they have rushed for over 100 yards, they've gone 8-2. and two. If they have not rushed for, if they've rushed for under 100 yards, they've gone 0-4. Oh now that's just simplifying it, but the point there is that when they get their ground game going, Josh Allen doesn't feel like he has to do everything. He doesn't have to do everything. And it makes the, off- the offense looks like it plays with more confidence when they can run the ball. Yeah, go, Brinson. Well, I was going to say, I mean, like, that is a little bit of call, a cor- a correlation and causation, too, where it's like, if you're winning football games, you're usually running the ball, and so you, you go over 100. But I, I, I know what you're saying. I, d- I just want to make sure no one thinks you're like a, a stabbed type of guy. I think to your, your point, though, that, that really strikes in for me is, it, this is th- knowing that this running game is there for the Bills, it, the confidence you're talking about, like, to me, it gives it to Josh Allen, where Josh Allen is not going to feel like he has to force things in certain situations because he knows that the team can come out and be balanced and run the football, and he's less likely to, you know, not less likely to be concerned about making a mistake. It's just that he's not going to be pressing to push the ball down the field because he knows the team can run and can pick up chunk yardage can, and can and can matriculate the ball via the run game. So and, and real quick, those two losses. Yeah. Uh, 12 men on the field, field goal. They, so they should have won that game and blowing the lead to the Eagles and losing overtime. So they probably should have won that game. So they should really be 10 and 0. Uh, and, and yeah, Brinson, I was just kind of simplifying yeah, it, no, I know, it I know. down. 
But yeah, if the if their rushing attack is working, this team, and I also think there's a sense of desperation. They are playing like any loss could knock them out. Like they're already in the playoffs yeah. and they can't afford to lose. And I felt like I sensed that when their defense was on the field where they just punched the Cowboys in the mouth and the Cowboys didn't know how to respond. No Michael and, Hyde, no A.J. Epinesa. And something else I'll point out quickly yeah. about the run game uh, to follow up on what we're talking about here. Number one, they're playing the Cowboys defense, which ain't messing around. That defense I had higher expectations for in this game. 42% of the rushing attempts in Week 15 in this game against the Cowboys came versus eight in the box. That was the best in Week week 15 among any, any rushing team. 22 rushes of five-plus yards, which was 45% of their total rushing attempts, also number one. Again, every time James Cook got the ball in his hands, it was a wrap. And I think that speaks volumes to what we're talking about in terms of the balance, in terms of what Brenson mentioned, in terms of taking the pressure off Josh Allen, because we have seen him press before where you'll get four touchdowns but three turnovers. And if you're not seeing that, this team remains incredibly dangerous. So on on the on the Bills too, like, and I think this is it's I just always find it important, especially this time of year, to sort of take a step back and look at the team in totality. Um, they, their losses, they don't have a single loss by more than one score. You know, they lost by six to the Jets in overtime. You lose by five to the Jaguars in in London when they traveled over the short week. You lose by four in that close game at the Patriots, which you know, is still a terrible loss. Lose by six to the Bengals on the road. You lose by two at home against the Broncos the following week after that. Again, in primetime, an inexplicable one, uh, the 12 men on the field. And then you lose by three uh, at, at, at Philadelphia, and that's your last loss. And then to Breach's point about the Bills being in playoff mode, I don't think I mentioned it um, – earlier in the week, but when, uh, or maybe, maybe I did last week, Brian McFadden was on the show and talked about how in 2005, the Steelers by week 12 or week 13, they were in playoff mode. And it, it was basically, you can't like every week is a must win game and it does change your mentality. It's different than playing, you know, of course, every, every NFL player is going to the stadium trying to win every game, but it's different when you're going to the stadium in December thinking this game could be the end of our season versus when you go to the stadium in September thinking, okay, we, you know, we believe we can be the best team in football. Uh, you know, it was a tough loss. We're going to move on from it. I mean, th this is a, this team, the way that they came out, and, and I think Kansas City maybe was better, the better team overall. They were certainly better in yards per play last week, but Buffalo just found a way to win. This is, they were just a better team. I mean, they outclassed Dallas. And man, I know we'll talk about the Cowboys later, but Cowboys don't really have a good road win on the season. Or a good, do they have a good win? They have a good win, I guess. They have a good win against the Eagles at home. Well, Seth, are you muted? Are you talking? I see your mouth moving. I was doing my ventriloquist sack. You fell for it. Uh, uh, I love it. I was going to say, speaking of teams that are bad on the road, Breach, what do you make of, is this just a, a vestige of the first half of the season? Are things going to change? Or is this a real concern? Because the Bills... Unless there's a miracle happening, probably won't get home field advantage throughout. They're two and five on the road. So, what are we making of that? Yeah, that's not great. I mean, the, <laughs> hey, but, two and four, but, two and four, two. Uh, well, the London's London, neutral. you count the London yeah, game. Two and so five away from Buffalo, away game. from yes. Buffalo, they're two yeah, and five. Yeah, yeah, and so, I, yeah. I think I, the thing is with the Cowboys, I'm concerned about that because they play an indoor stadium and you put them in an outdoor game and it's like putting an indoor cat outside in the rain. You get scared, <laughs> it curls up in a ball, doesn't know what to do. That's what the Cowboys look like. With the Bills so much, it doesn't concern me as much just because I felt like the London game was, that was the one where Jacksonville was out in London the whole week and the oh, Bills right. came up with the dumbest travel plan of all time and got <laughs> smoked. They got caught off guard by the Patriots, and then uh, the Eagles game, they should have won. 
And I, you know, I feel like the Bengals game was the only real bad loss. But again, like uh, Brinson mentioned, they only lost by six, so it wasn't even that bad. To me, the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC right now. I know we're going to talk about what? the Ravens really My soon. So if I had to pick a team, if, if the Bills and Ravens played tomorrow in neutral field, I'm absolutely picking the Bills to win. And you look at the three teams with the top with the best record in the AFC, the Ravens, Dolphins, and Chiefs. The Bills already smoked the Dolphins. They just beat the Chiefs last week. And I, I feel like they're playing better than the Ravens. So I would take the Bills over I, anyone I, right now. I think if you did a if you let's say you take a uh let's say you just make the Raiders or any anybody you want, like a team that's not going to make the playoffs, and they're magically the number two seed, and you get to get and they get to have a draft of uh, you have like you have, you have the two and three. Do however you want to do it. Just do a draft of who do you not want to play in the playoffs right now? And I think the answer on the AFC side is Buffalo. I was Wilson, who's your answer? Oh, the Raiders. <laughs> I was thrown off by that hypothetical there. Yeah, it's the Bills. I mean, let's be real. And the thing is this. So explain explain to me this, because we like to make excuses collectively, everybody, the Royal We. Injuries are why this team isn't playing well. Pick your team. Well, this team was banged up as all get out on defense, and they were flying. It felt like Dak Prescott have a half, had a half a second to throw every time he dropped back. How do you explain that breach since you see, can see into the future? How do I explain Dak playing horribly, or how do I explain the defense, the Bills well defense actually playing? Again, <laughs> I am. I mean, well, we were joking last week that Sean McDermott like leaked that story out on purpose to fire his team up because <laughs> this team is totally fired up right now. The defense, hey, like, hey, he, completely... took, he took down America's team breach. <laughs> and I, exactly. Just, that's the exclamation point on top of all this. So you're looking at, like, look, they went to that bye, all that stuff, all the crap hit the fan. And now they just took down the Chiefs and Cowboys. That's two impressive wins. I mean, there's no other way to spin it. So I think the fact that they played well against a good offense is going to give that defense some confidence right. considering they had struggled real, this year. Real quickly, at the Chargers versus the Patriots, we think the Bills win both of those, right? Yeah, their schedule opens up. It's going to be week 18. It's going to be fun. Home against the Cowboys at the Ravens. Let's say the Dolphins go 0-2 and the Bills go 2-0. Who wins the division? It's 60%, well, we'll talk, 60 Don't 40. spoil it. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk playoffs. We can't give our yeah. opinion yet. All right. Okay. Unless you exactly. saw it on Wednesday's HQ episode when Brent and I agreed on something, but we won't say it. Yeah, when we okay. gave our entire – Also, yeah, we're, we never came back and did the NFC. <laughs> this is called a tease. All right, Breach. The Bills look like the best team in the AFC, according to John Sonoma Breach. But are they the best team in the AFC, John S. Breach? That is a good question. Because Lamar Jackson is an MVP for his team, and we can argue whether Josh Allen's MVP as well. He'll be in that conversation. But it feels like the Ravens go as Lamar goes, and we quietly don't mention that defense being so good. All I'm going to say about this game is that, look, final score 23-7, yes, but I wasn't overly impressed with the way the Ravens played. I mean, honestly, it is like Jacksonville went out there <laughs> shot themselves in the foot four different times in the first half. I mean, the halftime score probably should have been 21 to 10 Jacksonville and not and Baltimore shut them out, but not because of anything Baltimore did. Jacksonville just forgot how to play football anytime they crossed the Ravens 50 yard line and Brandon McManus can't make a long field goal. Uh, and so if anything, that made me more concerned about the Ravens versus, hey, the Ravens dominated one by 16. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Wait, are Jackson. Are you concerned stuff. about the Ravens? Is that what you're saying? I'm not concerned about it. I'm just saying this is a team that hasn't made it out of the divisional round in 10 years. Okay. And well, by, by the way, real quickly, if you if you were interested in this, 
Um, they, I don't I guess they haven't updated the odds. I don't. They can't have because Dak Prescott is ahead of Lamar Jackson on the MVP odds at DraftKings. Um, but do you get Lamar Jackson at five to one on DraftKings right now for MVP? I think that's a pretty good bet. Lamar, five to one. Yeah, I, no, yeah. I, I was. I didn't hear you said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. They haven't updated from the afternoon games. I get Brock Purdy's minus one ninety, Dak plus four fifty, and Lamar five to one. I think Lamar is a really good bet there. Anything else, Rich? Yeah. Well, I, was just, I mean, I agree with Princeton just because they have some big games left. I mean, the 49ers on Christmas and they have the Dolphins. And those are two huge games where if he goes to San Francisco and outduels the MVP leader, that's going to be a little MVP odds bump, and, and the voters will see that at the end of the season. But yeah, yeah, like I'm not worried about the Ravens. This team is good. They're, I think it's them and the Bills top two in the AFC as far as who's playing the best football right now. I am just mildly concerned that they did not look great on Sunday. The Rams almost beat them in Baltimore in bad weather. It didn't so good. I think, about, I think they're talking about playing two good teams. Okay, right, I'll push back here. One, the Rams, that was a game the Rams knew. They go in there and upset the apple cart there, beat the Ravens on the road, and all of a sudden they're in a really, really good spot for a playoff uh, playoff, uh, playoff position. Then this one you have, by the way, this is a crazy stat. Led in the final two minutes in each of their first 14 games. Remember, Wilson, when we were trying to answer the question, why do the Ravens lose these games? And we like had no answer. Mm-hmm. Did we do that? Maybe I did it with somebody else. Well, the we point the being, yeah, it was maybe some some other guy on HQ. The point being is, um, I think the answer is they just led. They've led ninety percent. The first team since the two thousand five Colts to lead in ninety plus percent of the minutes through week 15, their first 15, 14 games, which is just or first thirteen games, maybe, which is just an insane stat. They showed it on Sunday Night Football. Um, my takeaway from this was. Lamar, 12 carries in this game for 97 yards, 8.1 per carry. He is now using his legs. They are activating his legs on design plays or more scrambles if they need to. He was really, really conservative with his legs for the first 12 weeks of the season or 13 weeks and 12 games, whatever you want to say. And now over the last two weeks, he has been running more, and I think that was by design. I believe the Ravens wanted to keep him completely healthy, didn't want to use his legs, wanted to have – you saw how many times in this game did they use Lamar's legs to get third and fourth down runs where it was like on short, and they would they would sort of just boot him out and have him like squirt around the end and, and pick it up so easily. I, I feel like this is something that they've had in the playbook that they've been saving. They want to use in these cut situations when this, you know, it's, it's, it's bleak cut in time and you're – and you're trying to you're trying to get down to the nitty gritty and win these games and get that number one seed. And I thought he was good as a passer, maybe maybe not great in this game, but made some just improvisational plays that were outstanding. Ran the ball really well. The key, the the Keaton Mitchell injury sucks because that looked like it probably a season or he was averaging 8.1 yards per carry when he went down. He was such an explosive addition to that. But Isaiah likely filling in for Mark Andrews. I think the Ravens have done a really nice job. Kudos to Eric DaCosta for building out this roster with depth. So when they, these injuries happen, Keaton Mitchell, Mark Andrews, um, J.K. Dobbins early, you know, early in the year, like these injuries happen, and they have guys who can replace them, and they're still in good shape. And defensively, I, I, I'm not, I'm not worried about this team. I think they played two good. I think they had two good opponents. One with the Rams coming in looking looking hot, and then two on the road in Jacksonville in primetime. Not, I'm not concerned about Baltimore at all. I think it's it's Baltimore-Buffalo AFC Championship game for me right now. Breach, uh, go ahead. I was just ooing Brinson's hot team. Oh, I was going to ask you, who are your 
three MVP candidates right now. Top three. Kickers uh, not allowed. Kickers are not allowed? No, kickers. That's a ridiculous rule. I know Cheeseman's off your list after the way he snapped the ball today in, in Washington. It's got to be Purdy uh, Lamar tied at the top, right? I would say Brock Purdy is number one for me. I just Okay, think stop that, there. Okay. Because the next up, we're going to talk Brock Purdy. Uh, what a segue. He read my mind. This is like one of those things in Vegas where they read your mind. Are you Chris Angel or are you Ryan Wilson? Chris I can't Angel. even tell right now. <laughs> area man predicts another area man will name favorite as MVP favorite. <laughs> well, we're trying to get to the MVP Purdy conversation. Uh, so work, here's the pushback. And Brinson talked about this last week, and you mentioned in our little chat that we do before the games that Brock Purdy is the fifth best player in that team, and I actually really wouldn't push back on that. I will agree with that. But tell me what you think of this, Breach. He's the fifth best player in that team, but he is the most important player in that team because without him, and Kyle Shanahan has said this, that the offense runs through him because he does everything that Kyle wants him to do. We saw Sam Darnold come in and throw a few air balls. That doesn't mean anything. Sam Darnold hasn't practiced in you know three years, basically. Brock Purdy is my MVP as well. Make your case for Brock Purdy since you're wearing red. Well, I think we're we're looking at part of the case right here is most starts with 130 passer rating in a season. You look at that list, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tony Roma, and then somehow Ryan Tannehill in 2019. Uh, but just the, the number that year. I, I think that that is uh, true. Weren't they number one seed in 2020? It was 2020. Yeah, yeah. 2019 is where they beat the Patriots in New England. You're right. That's right. That's right. Um, but I, I mean, if you look at Brock Purdy, I think the one thing, the number one stat that stands out to me is his yards per attempt. It is 9.9. Every time he throws the football, the 49ers are essentially getting a first down. That is a bonkers number. It would be the highest in NFL history. Everyone who's Who's ever finished... Whose record would it break? Kurt Warner? Matt Ryan. You know who Matt Ryan's offensive coordinator was that year? Kyle Shanahan. And you know what Matt Ryan won that year? MVP. MVP. I think everyone who's finished over nine has won... MVP. And so that's just one of those, just one of the numbers that really stands out to me. And I do think if you took Brock Purdy out and put Sam Darnold in there, I wouldn't feel as comfortable picking the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. So I I do think there is a major drop off if you take him out of the game. And yeah, does he have Debo Samuel? Does he have Christian McCaffrey? Yeah. But did we give, you know, do people say, hey, Joe Montana wasn't great because he had Jerry Rice and Roger Craig? It's and no Brock Purdy is not Joe Montana, but you can't just say, Hey, look, they had these super weapons. Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Dallas Clark. So the good quarterbacks have good weapons. That's why their offense is successful. So I don't think you can hold that against Brock Purdy. Uh, I just think he's playing the best football right now. He's running Kyle Shanahan's offense as perfectly as can be run. If I had to vote right now, I'd give Brock Purdy my vote. I I got no problem. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and like and argue against Brock Purdy winning the MVP because I think that he has been outstanding this year. I, all right, so a couple of things. When you look at Brock Purdy, he Cam Newton made a big stink about the thing with the game manager stuff and all that. I, I think it's more appropriate to say that Brock Purdy is a system quarterback. And when you say that, people are like, oh, how can you say that? That's so insulting. System quarterback is not pejorative. System quarterback means that you are operating in a system. Tom Brady was a system quarterback. Tom Brady operated Josh McDaniel's system really, really well. You know, like Cam Newton in 2015, 
I get where Cam comes from with this because in 2015, he was not a system quarterback. He had Mike Shula's offense and was just basically take over and just win games by virtue of being a freak show athlete who could throw the ball on the field. Like, but it, it should not, it should, we, we shouldn't ding. Brock, Brock Purdy throws deep too. He throws the ball down the field and he finds guys open. He runs through his progressions perfectly in Kyle Shannon's offense. And that's what I mean. He's in the system. He's in Cal. He runs Cal Shanahan's system perfectly. There's, they went and traded a bunch of picks for Trey Lance, and Trey Lance couldn't figure out how to operate Cal Shanahan's system. But Brock Purdy, who was free at the end of the draft, can operate the system, and that's what's so interesting about the the, the, the phrase "system quarterback," because you can be as athletic as you want. I think Brock Purdy's sneaky athletic, but if you know, it's like football. It's like it's a it's his processing is just faster and his understanding of Kyle Shanahan's system is just faster and he knows exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants him to do and Matt Ryan did that too and when he won the when he won the MVP he understood what Kyle Shanahan wanted out of that offense and he understood where to deliver the ball he could throw the ball deep and I think Brock Purdy reminds me a lot of that that's that that year and I, I Matt Ryan was actually on CBS Sports HQ or or uh, Spotlight on Thursday and was talking about it, it was like he's like yeah like. He, and he said something similar, you know, he's answering Cam Newton's comments. He's like, you can knock Brock Purdy all you want. The dude's throwing the ball down the field and it's having a huge year. And if Brock Purdy wins MVP, I don't have a problem with it at all because the 49ers are awesome. And if you if you it's this is not a plug and play situation where you toss Sam Darnold in there and you end up like getting the same results. I don't think you do. So Breach, uh, a couple things. You mentioned the over nine yards per attempt. Uh, for week 15, uh, Brock Purdy sadly finished second at 9.4 yards per attempt. Number one was the hysterically awesome Baker Mayfield at 13.6. That was great, that game. And I mentioned that because Baker Mayfield becomes the first person in human civilization to get a perfect passer rating in Lambeau Field, which I find hysterical. But getting As a visiting quarterback. As a visiting quarterback. Thank you for that clarification. I'm sure that Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and Lynn Dickey, my guy, did it back in the day. But getting back to Brock, a couple things. The craziest throw he made that I saw live, and I, I look forward to going back and watching him, was there was a he got blitzed. There was a hot route. He threw right behind the hot route to George Kittle on a slant. He got hit in the face, and George Kittle ran like for 40 yards or something. It was just one of those plays that you don't notice it until you sort of pay attention, and it's just him operating that offense at such a high level and, and the accuracy. And there's Tony Romo with Brock Purdy's haircut out of high school, which is pretty funny if you're watching on the old YouTubes there. Another thing I'll mention about Brock Purdy, to sort of follow up Breach's point with the yards per attempt being – incredibly high and making him uh, the favorite for MVP, at least historically. In terms of EPA per dropback, Brock was number one this week. Uh, in terms of EPA per dropback, when rushed by five, he was number two. Uh, success rate, this offense, passing-wise, was more successful than any other offense. Second, of course, <laughs> your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, again, this this offense is is clicking at a high level. Really the Cardinals, the EPA these their, days. Well, yeah, we have true media, so I was looking at it. Uh, the Cardinals... To their credit, put up a fight early, and then you know the wheels came off. But that's it is what it is. They're in the division; you got to play them. So, uh, Brinson, where are you on your MVP vote? There, are you go going the way of me and me and Breach? Um, I think like today, if I if I was sitting at a ballot today, I think it would be it, the problem too is like is Christian McCaffrey on your ballot? You can vote for whoever you want; it's your ballot. No, no, I'm, I'm asking like if you yes. have a five man ballot, yes. is Christian McCaffrey yes. on your ballot? Yes. Oh, I see. That, that makes it a little tough to also have Brock Purdy, doesn't it? Wow. Like by the, by the, by the, I might, just vote for the, K, might have Tyreek instead. I don't know. Like, Brenton, well, you got to go you, you you five, five guys, five for MVP. 
I would have um, done. I think I would have Lamar one, Purdy two, Josh Allen three, um, Dak four, and uh, it's it's you know Tyreeks Tyreek will we can get to him but Tyreeks claim for MVP. Hit a little bit of a snag when the Dolphins lit up the Jets' defense without it. Oh, the Jets. Um, I mean, that team has given up. I don't think that's... So I'll go good. CMC 5, because I think that's sort of my knock for moving party to 2. All right, Breach, you want to give us your 5 real quick before we take a break? Uh, Purdy, Lamar, Christian McCaffrey, and I don't think I need to go deeper than that because I think one of those three will win it. Oh, you're not going to put Josh Allen in there? I guess Josh Allen's playing well, but... He just had a 94-yard game. They didn't need anything from him. Like, yeah. I wouldn't move him up. Okay. I got you. He was fifth. He was fifth on my bout last week, and he did not do anything to make me move him higher than five. All right. I was just checking. I wanted to get you on record. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about, as producer Harry calls him, the cardiac Cleveland Believeland Browns. Right after this, boys. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Let's Wait, before we move on, Wilson, quick trivia. Yeah. When is the last time two teammates both got an MVP vote in the same year? Oh, can you give us a decade? Uh, it happened since 2010. Uh, I have no idea. Um, Randy Moss and Tom Brady, 2007. No, Tom Brady was unanimous. Since 2010 means it happened in the past 15 years. <laughs> oh, I was going the other way. You would the, not. Um, you hot. understand Back to the Future when you watch it. You are not good with time. Brain. I watched oh, it. I watched uh, it um, since 2010. Stop googling, Wilson. Stop googling. I'm not googling. I'm, I'm not googling. Um, googling in your head. Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Is that a, maybe that's not a bad guess? Uh, I, uh, I, I, I'm not gonna hold it up. What is it? What's the answer? Uh, 2016. Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then the Cowboys also did in 2014 with DeMarco Murray and Tony Romo. So the Cowboys are the only team Murray. to do that well, in the past 10 years. The, so that, is that not the year Matt Ryan won? Uh, it, 2016 was, yes. Oh, so Dak, Dak had an MVP vote that year? Not a first-place vote. No. I mean, there's only there's only first-place votes. That's oh, all yeah, he got. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought Matt Ryan was unanimous for some reason. No, he got 25 of 50. Oh, that's right, because Tom Brady almost won, and then Brady found out, and then went out and beat it, beat it, came back against him in the Super Bowl. That's right. All right, let's talk about the Super Brown. Bowl winners. Joe Flacco <laughs> did it in January 2013 or February 2013 in New Orleans. We were there. We were there. Golly, that was over a decade ago. That's when, Where, Breach, that's when Breach pulled the plug on the power, the, uh, the yeah, power he cord. Yeah, started the CBS. Joe Flacco bet on himself that season, and Joe Flacco won. Joe Flacco was sitting on his mom's couch a month ago. 
And Joe Flacco is currently winning. Tough start. First three quarters weren't great. It don't matter because the fourth quarter is all that matters when you're talking about comeback Joe. Now, listen, I'm going to start with the loser. I don't like to do this, but sweet mercy alive. Darnell Mooney, catch the ball in the end zone. Robert Tanya, don't drop a 73-yard touchdown pass. Hitch in the hands. Whatever the Browns, a win is a win. As my buddy who's a Browns fan pointed out to me, the Browns have had plenty of bad luck. They can The, the Bears can deal with it. <laughs> so this team is 95. The number five seed is all but locked up. They're not going to move up. Uh, I don't think they're winning the division. And I contend, Brinson, they're winning the playoff game. Um, I don't, I don't, I guess that I can get behind that if five feet against the AFC South winner, Brinson. Yeah, I mean, Joe Flacco going to Jacksonville Ooh. feels like a bad spot for, <laughs> for Trevor Lawrence in the Jacksonville. You don't want no Joe Flacco. January no, Joe. January I mean, Joe. I mean, January Joe with their nine and five now. Man, the Jaguars' defense has been taught bad. The Browns should be able to run against them. They weren't able to run against the Bears at all. Should be able to run against the Jaguars. Well, Jaguars are decent against the run, but they should be able to move the ball against the Jaguars. And the Browns' defense is so good, it wouldn't shock me if they went in there and won that game. What would you? What if the Jaguars were favored by more than three points? I'm definitely taking the Browns against the spread. Absolutely, I think so. But the the Bears were mine were plus three in this game, and they covered. I- and look, the Bears, the Bears got handed all of their points by Joe Flacco, ironically yeah. enough, because he threw the pick six, which was it's called building drama right. breach. Well, and then he threw the interception the list, pick. by the way. And then back to back games with 300 yards passing and two passing touchdowns in Brown's history. Joe Flacco became the fourth person, the fifth quarterback behind Baker Mayfield, Josh McCown in 2015, and Brian Sipe in 79 and 80. What a run for Browns quarterbacks. And and let's not forget Brian Sipe won MVP in 1980. So Joe Flacco, obviously well on the way to putting himself in MVP MVP conversation right now. But yeah, I mean, that was the thing is that Joe Flacco, the Browns defense dominated the Bears. Uh, and that's what I was saying is that you had the pick six. That's how the Bears got a touchdown. And they had another interception that they got down to the Browns one yard line. That's how they got another touchdown. So, I mean, the Browns defense played fantastic. It was like Flacco was throwing interceptions just so he could set himself up for this magical fourth quarter. We saw the numbers earlier he threw for 212 yards in the fourth quarter. Uh, that is the most yards in a fourth quarter of a game that any Browns quarterback has thrown for in at least 50 years and the most fourth quarter yards by any NFL quarterback this season. I mean, 212 yards in one quarter is insane. That That is 848 yards if you did that in every quarter uh, of a game. I, I you mean, know what's it's funny, Breach? Um, Some of the throws he made in that fourth quarter were in, they were Lamar Jackson-type throws. Like, he was pretending to be Lamar Jackson for Halloween a month and a half late. The Njoku floater was amazing. The long ball, <laughs> I think, to Amari Cooper was amazing. Let me ask you guys this fun fact. Um, coming into this week, uh, I had pulled a stat out of the trash here because I wanted to double check. Most quarterback wins at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Number one is Baker Mayfield since 1999, since the stadium opened. Baker's at number one at, at uh, 18 wins. Uh, Big Ben is second at 12 wins, which is embarrassing for an away quarterback to be huh? three. At number three, now Browns quarterback Joe Flacco. He's at 11 wins in Cleveland Browns Stadium, third most all-time. All right. I got, I got, I just kind of did some quick, and I, I have to do, like, I have to double check this later, but I did some quick playoff machine math. Oh, I'm, just gonna throw, I'm just going to spitball some stuff at you. Uh, Browns, right. Brown, week, week 16, Browns beat the Texans. Dolphins 
beat the Cowboys, which you can give the Cowboys the win if you want. I don't care. That doesn't matter for our purposes. And the Niners beat the Ravens. Okay. All seem fair. Right. Well, just, you have, go ahead. Make your, you make have Joe Flacco win the division. Is that where this is going? Week 17, Browns beat the Jets. Not out of this world. Dolphins beat the Ravens. And that's Not all that really matters because those teams are playing each other. And then week 18, the Bills beat the Dolphins, the Browns beat the Bengals, and the Ravens beat the Steelers. Playoff machine has the Browns as the one seat. There you go. What if Joe Flacco gets the one seed? Well, they just signed him a new deal. I mean, they they realized right quick. Where he gets $75,000 per win in the regular season. Joe but, just but got like a $75,000 bonus. But those those wins and losses that I'm talking about are not outrageous at all. Like, that's a perfectly reasonable way for this to play out. I don't think it's going to happen. But, man, you give January Joe the one seed, and the Browns might win the damn Super Bowl. Okay, It's not preposterous. It sort of is. <laughs> well, you know what, though? is that here? Here's the thing, and we keep mentioning January Joe, is if fourth quarter Joe Flacco, the guy from the fourth quarter of this game, shows up in the playoffs, they can literally beat anyone. I mean, if he yeah. goes out there and he's just dicing people up and throwing dimes for uh, the whole game, you're not going to beat the Browns. I mean, it, it's unbelievable the way he played. There is no reason he should be able to throw for 212 yards, and yet he did it, and so that makes this team scary. And the year that they won the Super Bowl, which was – 2012 season, right? Mm -hmm. So Joe Flacco's 2012 season, he completed less than 60% of his passes, didn't even throw for 4,000 passing yards. This was not somebody who was lighting the NFL on fire and then got to the playoffs was like, ha, ha, ha. Now, I mean, granted, like the team was 10. They were only 10 and 6. This Browns team is going to have a better record. I mean, he's, well, and they he's, won it because he had one of the greatest playoff runs in NFL history. But that's but that's my point is like this guy, we know that's in there, and he's playing like it in the fourth quarter of regular season games. What if he just has another one of the greatest playoff runs in NFL history? The Browns win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that would be uh, unforeseen. All right, yes, team, let's talk about two teams that no one thought was going to win after their quarterbacks went down, and both those teams won after their quarterbacks went down. Uh, Brenton, I'll come to you first. I think this was probably one of the gutsiest wins of the season. Uh, Houston, Texas team, roll Case Keenum out there. Case Keenum pretended he was Nick Mullins. He was just throwing up YOLO balls left and right. Um, and then Will Levis said, okay, watch this. And Will Levis was <laughs> running around like beer. 2.0. Yeah, I mean, he was. that was a wild scene. But shout out to... Kai Fair, uh, Kami Fairbairn coming back breach, hitting a huge 56-yarder as time expired in overtime to save us our first tie and to muck up the playoff race with the tie in there. Um, Brentson, what's your takeaway from this Texans team, knowing that you're going to get your quarterback back, hopefully you get some other guys healthy, and they played as hard as they did for D'Amico Ryan? Yeah. Um, and look, I mean, I think maybe the the bigger takeaway here is not even the court, is the D'Amico Ryan thing because – Derrick Henry, who came into this game averaging 115 rushing yards per game against the Houston Texans in his career, became the first player in NFL history to have 20 touches and less than 15 yards from scrimmage. He had 16 carries for nine yards. Derrick Henry against the Texans. Four catches for one yard with a long of three. The Texans did an incredible job defensively stuffing Derrick Henry and shutting down Derrick Henry. He averaged 7.1 yards per rush in his previous five games against the Texans. He averaged 0.6 this time around. In his previous five games, he averaged 203.6 yards per game against the Texans. He had nine 
10 rushing touchdowns in those five games, zero in this one. Deme- and they talked about it on the broadcast. D'Amico Ryans wanted to blo- like lock up the front and force Derrick Henry to get horizontal and try to get around the edge, and they did just that. Malik Collins was a dominant force on the interior. Uh, the, the, the guys in the back end were covering really well for the Texans. You know, and they they sacked Will Levis, I think, seven times. He yep, was seven times bruised and battered. And then Derek Singletary, I mean Devin Singletary, excuse me, twenty six carries, one hundred twenty one yards, and could have had a walk off touchdown and some more yardage, but it was called back because of holding. Noah Brown stepped up in a big way with the limited weapons. I think it's a real testament to D'Amico Ryan's and the type of coach he is and what he's getting out of this team. And man. You cannot count them out in that division at all. They're number eight. Uh, they have uh, a one-game lead over the Bills, who are also uh, eight and six uh, in the conference, so they have the advantage to both those teams went out. And, Breach, I want to talk about another eight and six team. Well, real quick, I want to mention oh, one yeah. thing on this game. Uh, Brenton mentioned how well they played against Derrick Henry. They played so well that Derrick Henry became the first player in NFL history to touch the football 20 times and not finish with at least 15 yards really image. Derrick Henry had that? 16 carries and you know I gave that you know I read you know yeah you said this right. I was giving the exact numbers. Uh, I said 20 and 15. Right. 16 carries, four receptions. Okay. You can knock yourself out, buddy. 16 carries for nine yards and four receptions for one yard. That's all. I wanted to break down the numbers. All you right. just said 20 touches. That's it. <laughs> okay. All right, Breach, let's talk about the Bengals. Another team that's 8-6, but they're now the number six seed because your <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers are terrible. Let me give you a couple of fun facts here before Brinson reads them off and tries to steal them as his own. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I know. You mentioned yards per attempt when talking about uh, our buddy Brock Purdy. We'll put this on for, see how this fits for size, however the saying goes. Third most yards per attempt for Jake Browning through the first four games of his career in the last 30 seasons behind only some guy named Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer, and Patrick Mahomes, also Hall of Famer. That number is 9.1 breach. What do you got to say about Jake Browning and the way this team clawed back after Nick Mullins repeatedly tried to give them a game on the platter and they wouldn't take it until the end? Well, I, I mean, the game was nuts because when it went in the fourth quarter, I honestly didn't think the Bengals had a chance at winning. They had done nothing the entire game. It probably should have been 31 to three, except Nick Mullins threw two interceptions in the first half when the Vikings had driven down into Bengals territory. And it just really felt like the Bengals were getting destroyed. And then Jake Browning was the original Joe Flacco because he went out and had his magical fourth quarter where just he couldn't miss and the T the, the bomb he threw up to T Higgins oh and that gosh. touchdown catch was one of the best catches of the year I mean for T Higgins to jump and that's the thing if you have good receivers you have Jamar Chase on your team if you have T, T Higgins on your team you throw it up and give them a chance because they can come down and make plays like that Jake Browning had 140 yards in the fourth quarter of this game he only had he also had 140 yards in the first three quarters so he matched his total in the fourth quarter uh, and, and then 280 and then another 44 uh, in overtime. So it, it, look, we always debate, not always, but we've debated enough about Zach Taylor's coaching. And it seems like we're always on the fence about whether he's a good coach or a bad coach. Uh, but I am now very much in the, he's a good coach. Cause I feel like I this string with Jake Browning has been his most impressive 
coaching run so far. We saw them go to the Super Bowl, but a lot of that is, hey, look, Joe Burrow's on the team. Joe Burrow's carrying that. Well, that's not the case anymore. It is Jake Browning out there with Zach Taylor perfectly tailoring, pun intended, these game plans to what Jake Browning can do. And the one thing they have really been doing is running the ball more. And I'm sure Joe Burrow's on the sideline like, hey, man, why weren't we running the ball when I was quarterback? Why are we Chase, throwing Chase it? Brown. Chase Brown's been awesome, too. Yeah, Chase Brown's emerged. Joe Mixon has done. I mean, he's just been awesome uh, since Jake Browning became the starter. And look, the Bengals are another team. I, I, I don't think they can win the Super Bowl with Jake Browning, but I do think they could win a wild card game, maybe a divisional round playoff game. But I, I think that Man, who knows? they have a very good roster as long as their guys stay healthy. They lost DJ Reader, not great. And yeah. Jamar Chase has a banged up shoulder and maybe won't play against the Steelers in week 16. That would be trouble. Hey, Breach, do you want to do like I do every time I talk about Justin Herbert and apologize about Jake Brown and getting it so wrong when we had the Joe Burrow? You should begin every conversation with, I would like to first apologize. What? No. Okay. Look, <laughs> that sounds like me. Uh, Wilson, speaking of apologizing for Jake Browning, do you intend to uh, hold oh, yeah. Rick Spielman's feet to the fire and grill him on with the first pick? On on uh, you guys have a Monday you have a Monday show right Tuesday Tuesday, uh, Tuesday the first show. question first question will be why did you cut Jake Browning um, he talks all the time about why why he cut uh, uh, Anders Carlson's brother what's his I can never remember his first name Daniel, Daniel Carlson, Carlson. Uh, he cut Daniel Carlson as a rookie because uh, maybe like Zimmer made him made, yes <laughs> and, Zimmer definitely made him <laughs> and the other <laughs> the other thing I'm going to ask him about because this is in uh, an athletic article on Sunday morning that I was reading through about p potential uh, Tom Telesco replacements in in L A. Oh, Rick Spielman's name was on that list, too. So I said, Rick, let's break the news on the podcast. So we may have some breaking news on Tuesday's podcast. Check that out. I mean, I, I believe Rick has said he doesn't want to get back into that into that game because he enjoys his life outside of football now, like, you know, doing the media stuff, podcasting with you, which is weird that he likes that, but they're near, they're traveling around the country during the offseason with you, uh, playing a lot of golf. But, man, they hand, you the, they hand you the Justin Herbert job. I don't know. I think you might got to consider it. Um, yeah, well, yeah. By the way, Jake Bradley made it sound like kind of got treated poorly by old Rick too. Yeah. Left in a hotel. I, I that was pretty bitter about being I cut by the Vikings. Hard to believe. The, Vikings the Vikings are typically considered one of the best places to play. Like when they yeah, I know it was very high. Yeah. yeah. And Rick is, as I say all the time, in spite of his incessant ball busting, is literally one of the best dudes. So no, he's a really we'll nice guy. Yeah, that's, that's surprising. Yeah. So yeah, make we'll sure to check out with the first pick on Tuesday on the NFL. Jake seems like a good dude too. Shout out to Jake. He's having a great season. I ain't mad at him. I, uh, you know, when uh, Breach got cut from that fake team that he used to brag about to us, Brinson, where he threw the touchdown passes, I'm sure he was mad <laughs> at those folks too. But you're over it now, Breach. All right. Before we take a break, and at producer Harry's insistent as he throws <laughs> as he throws up the headline, the winner of the AFC South will be. And let me set this up real quick, uh, Breach. I'll come to you. The Jaguars lost. Texas lost. Colts uh, somehow found a way to beat the. The Super Bowl winning Steelers, they're all eight and six. The Titans are now out of the playoffs by virtue of their loss in overtime. And according to the upshot, because I don't think our guy Stephen O sent out the numbers yet. Yep. Uh the Jags. He he did send it out or not? No, no, no. I was going to say the upshot too. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see it. So uh Jags still have a 60% chance to win the division breach and 20%, 20% for the Texans and Colts, both eight and six. What do you make of the Jaguars performance? And what do you make of the other two teams that are in the mix? 
Well, I, we talked about Jacksonville and Baltimore a little bit earlier, and like I said, I thought Jacksonville played well until they started shooting themselves in the foot, and then they took out the shotgun, shot off both feet. I mean, the offense moved the ball against a very good Ravens defense. They just couldn't finish anything with the two missed field goals and the Trevor inexplicable Trevor Lawrence fumble, and then the botch clock management at the end of the first half. That's four scores off the board against one of the top five defenses in football. So watching that didn't necessarily make me feel worse about Jacksonville. Uh, honestly, it didn't make you feel worse. That just, I think against a not great team, Baltimore's a very good team. If they play oh, okay. a not very good team, gotcha. I would feel a lot more comfortable with them not making silly mistakes like that. So I will say, I think Jacksonville first, Colts second, Texans third. Jacksonville first, of course, Colts second, Texas third. I agree with that as well. Jags are at the Buccaneers. Now, according to the upshot, if they lose that game, they suddenly have a 40% chance to win the division. But you've also got to consider what happens with the Colts who are at the Falcons. Um, oh you know, if they lose their 30%, and then the the Texans who are hosting the Browns. Huge game. So I mean, the Bucs can definitely beat the 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 Jaguars. I wouldn't be surprised. And, and the Colts and Texans play in week 18, too. That's right. The Colts and Texans play in week 18. So only one of them breach can win the division. Um <laughs> the the Jaguars get the Panthers at home in in week 17 and then in week 18 at the Titans. Now that might seem like an easier game, but I mean the Titans will have us the Jaguars pass events not very good. Will Levis should be able to sling the ball. And I think we'll Mike Vrabel, his, ankles, his ankle could be an issue too. Yeah, he, he might not be healthy up. enough. Yeah, that's true. I just think Mike Vrabel will hype that team up no matter what the record is because the Jaguars knocked the Titans out of the playoffs last year. Uh, you mentioned the Falcons uh, on the schedule for one of these teams. Man, I don't want to be this dude, but Desmond Ritter, if you throw another red zone interception. That was the worst pick of the year. I'm going to re- breach his head, hair off and beat him with it. I mean, that. what are we doing? Shout yeah, out to Bryce Young for winning the game. <laughs> this is the worst, worst interception of the year. I, I don't know, man. He might have just cost his team the division with that interception. Oh my gosh! I had a, I wrote a stat. He's rolling to his left. I think he's rolling to his left. Yeah. And there's, you're not even it's hard to figure out who he's throwing to. Oh, he was throwing it to Xavier Woods, who he hit right in the chest. <laughs> Maybe he forgot that the Panthers were wearing black uniforms, and he was. I don't know, man. Look, like he, he's he's a good guy and all that stuff, but it's just not working. And if anybody was not watching that game, the Falcons were ahead 7-6. to six, So no points are being scored in this game. The Falcons had finally driven it down inside Carolina's 20-yard line. Ritter throws an interception uh, just late in the fourth quarter. You're, you're late, yeah, yeah, with seven and a half minutes left in the game. So you're already in field goal range. You go up 10-6. The Panthers have not shown they can score a touchdown at all. You play it safe, kick a field goal, you probably win. But instead, Ritter throws an ugly interception and Carolina probably goes down and kicks the game winning field goal. on an 85 play drive that, that, you know, takes uh, seven and a half minutes and, and gets 85 yards. It was, it was oh, pretty, uh, maybe, maybe just, maybe just worth uh, interest for this coming week. But if the, I think this is right. If the Colts lose to the Falcons Ooh. and the Jags lose to the Bucks and the Texans win, Ooh. Then and every and then the all the other AFC South teams went out. The Texans Colts will be Colts win Jaguars win the division Texans win Texans win the division. That would be insane. All right, mark it on your calendars. Wait, Wilson, who do you have winning it? Me and Brinson said Jags. I you know what I was thinking about this. I think I'm going to have the Texans win because CJ Stroud can get red hot. Then he'll make his way back into the MVP conversation, and then oh. that will be fun. That would be fun. Breach during the break. Look up the last time a rookie, if ever. 
won the MVP. And Breach will tell you right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. What do you got, Breach? What'd you find out? Jim Brown won MVP in 1957. Holy Moses, look at you. You actually knew that. Good job. And the last rookie to receive an MVP vote hasn't even happened this century. Oh. We haven't seen a rookie, or I guess Dak got one in 2016. So I guess Randy that Moss? was the last one. I'm going to go back to the Randy Moss. Ra- but Randy Moss got four, the, the top three. It, to have a he, literally, top he, literally, three. he literally told you Dak got one before. But he only got one vote. He didn't finish in the top three. Oh, top three. Top three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Randy Moss. Yeah. yeah. All right. uh, Let's talk about the Lions here, Brinson. And, you know, I fall for it every week. It's like, uh, as our colleague Eric Casillas says, it's like Charlie Brown and and Lucy with the football. Every week I fall for it and everything feels good. And then the next week, one of the teams we like, it's the doors blown off. This week, uh, the Lions absolutely went to town. Over all over the Denver Broncos to the point where Sean Payton was yelling at Russ Wilson on the sidelines like he was scolding a young child for trying to wander into the street. But is this Lions team the one we can look forward to seeing, or is this team like every other team that we seem to talk about here that can dominate at home? But once they get on the road, there's some questions. No, I, I don't, I'm not worried about the Lions on the road. They've got an incredible, insane fan base. They have wins against the Chiefs on the road this year. They have wins against the Packers on the road. Which they, you never see them win at Lambeau Field. They go to Tampa and win. Their fans have been traveling like crazy. They went to They're Baltimore. One, what's that? Baltimore wasn't so They got fun. stomped in Baltimore. No doubt about it. No, I mean, it's not, I'm not, I mean, not glossing over it. Um, they go down to New Orleans and take care of business too. And they lose to Chicago by two scores. I think, again, like taking a macro perspective about this Lions team is that they jumped out to this, what, six and two start, win two close games coming out of their bye to get to eight and two. They're two and two since then. And I think they've done a really good job holding steady while being above punching above their weight and being better than people thought even the biggest lions optimists thought they would and they've drawn some tougher matchups like the bears are kind of a, t- a good team now the bears are not a a, a pushover the packers yeah. have, have gotten a lot better in the second half of the season at times um and then you know they, they got the what the chargers best effort of the year it feels like uh, so i am not i am still very bullish on the Lions and think that if things break their way seeding-wise, that they could appear in the NFC Championship game, I think they probably have to hope that they're hosting and that they are not going to San Francisco because it is difficult to see them beating San Francisco in the title game. But I think they can hang with anybody else in the NFC. 
I think they're going to hang with them. But Breach, are you concerned about the road woes? Uh, yeah. I mean, of course, because if you're the third seed, you're going to have to go on the road at some point if you want to get to the Super Bowl. But I think that they're just, five and two. They're, they have the same home record as away record this year. Well, right, but Jared Goff has not been the same person on over. I mean, he showed up Saturday night. That's for sure. Five touchdowns was awesome. He's been, but, he's been, he's been, he's been, he has not been the same guy he was during the first half of the season, during the second half of the season so far. Right, and we've seen him have some huge turnover games. And they don't have to, they they don't have to play out. They don't have to play outdoors the rest of the year either, for the rest of the regular season. Is good, I guess. I mean, they only have to beat the Vikings, and then they pretty much lock up the division and the third seed. So the rest of it, you you they beat Minnesota in week 16, then they clinch the division. And I don't think the NFC South winner is going to catch them. So you pretty much lock the third seat up at some point or at that point, And then it becomes, all right, now we get to host our first home game since 1993 in the playoffs. And they play well at home. But like Wilson just asked, though, can they win the big games on the road? I don't know. I will they say need- they're. Oh, their rookie court, their rookie draft, their draft class has been absolutely bonkers, lights out. We know about Sam Laporte and, and Jameer Gibbs, but yeah. Brian Branch is playing well, and, and they've been a huge uh, part of their success. And I think Jared Goff was the one that was talking up how good these rookies have been on offense and, and how important they are to what they do because they're they had huge games once again. And Sam Laporta might be one of the best top five tight ends already, probably higher than that. If we're, uh, if yeah, we're top three. Well, let, let me ask you this: This is a very possible, and we're going to talk playoff picture in a second, but this is a very plausible scenario. Lions versus Rams in the wild card round. Who are you picking? Uh, Matthew Stafford revenge game in Detroit. This the easy. Uh, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. Sean McVay has that run game on point, and Kieran, Kieran Williams well, uh, has been worth, fun. Worth noting: Monday's game for the Lions is enormous because. Because if the Lions win out, and I mean, like they're gonna have to win out to get the two seed, but it just basically means like beat the Vikings twice and take care of the, go down to Dallas and beat the Cowboys. And I think you need to do that to you know to show uh, it. It, the, it would be a fifty percent probability swing of getting the number two seed. Forty percent if the Eagles win, ninety percent of getting it if the Seahawks win. So they if you get they, the number two seed right now. You're playing the Rams, right? If you have the three seed, you're playing the Vikings. So is there a benefit to getting the two over the three? I mean that. I just well, if, if, if you're if you're hyping up like there need to be at home, then yeah, yeah. We play two seed, you get two home games if as oh, long as you win a wild card yeah. round. Yeah. All right, all right. And you, well, you, I think, I think. Well, I just think you can't bank on. Well, I guess actually, if you beat the Lions twice, then the the Rams are more likely to be the six seed than the. Like, if you went out to get the two seed, you're probably not going to get. You're more likely to get the Vikings than you are the Rams. Because you played the Vikings twice. Well, we're going to find out together in four weeks. But first, let's talk the AFC playoff picture, and then we'll get to the NFC playoff picture. Teams that clinched the playoff berth uh, thus far, my Baltimore Ravens. Every team is either mine or yours, I guess. Um, and teams to be eliminated. I can't believe the Jets are out. Draft. What's that? We never did our Super Bowl draft. Sad. We could still do it. It's wide open. I feel like we could do it this week, and it's still... Okay. Fair. Um, yeah, we can do it. Teams to be eliminated from the postseason in the AFC, the Jets and the Titans. Uh, and Patriots and the are already Patriots. out. So let's start here. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see how the uh, this thing sorts itself out. Uh, Breach, I'll just read through it quickly for people who are listening. We know that the uh, Ravens are the number one seed. They have a one-game lead over the Dolphins, uh, who has a one-game lead over 
Kansas City, and then there's the eight and six Jaguars, followed by the the Browns at five, and then Cincy and Indy at six and seven. Just on the outside looking in at eight and six as well, Houston and Buffalo. Forget the Steelers, the Broncos. I actually feel better about the Raiders at this point. But any swapping you want to do at any point between one and I'll say nine. Okay, here is my biggest problem. We all know that I am the biggest Bengals homer on this podcast. Mm. Okay, maybe Brinson is. But it's all they got to do is win out. They haven't won a division game this year. Yeah. They have not won a division game this year. They're going to win Saturday. Don't worry about that. Okay, well, that's a problem. Uh, that's not Jake, the only problem. Jake Browning don't lose on Saturdays, man. There's no the, the other problem is that they're three and six in the conference in the AFC, which is also a big time tiebreaker. Uh, so they're not going to win that tiebreaker with anyone. <laughs> and so what they're going to have to do is absolutely win out because I think if they finish 10 and seven, that they're just not going to win yeah. any tiebreakers unless the Texans fizzle out because that kind of throws the wrench in it. Because if it's them, the Colts and the bills, you have the head to head, uh, Hey, Bruce, Which, let me ask you a clarifying question real quick. So the, the Bengals are three and six in the conference, as you mentioned. Why are they inside the playoff bubble when the team with the same record, the Texans and the Bills, are five and four and four and five, respectively, in the conference? So I'm glad you asked because people might be wondering that, and this is because they beat the Colts. So when you have this many uh, teams tied at eight and six, so you have four teams, when you have two divisional teams, you have to eliminate one of those teams first. So the Colts and the Texans are in their own tiebreaker, mm. which the Colts hold, and that eliminates the Texans. So then that leaves the Bengals, Colts, and Bills, and the Bengals beat the Colts and the Bills. And so that's why the Bengals are six. Colts and Well, so that's good for it, now. Because it, it all goes head-to-head before it goes division or conference record, or before it goes conference record, yeah. Or, but if the Colts, if the Colts had lost and the Colts were seven and seven right now, then the Bengals would be behind the Texans and the Bills because there'd be a three-way tie and the Bengals head-to-head wouldn't matter because there was no sweep involved because they had lost to the Texans. So the Bengals really need the Colts to stay good or the Browns to lose out. Uh, Anyway, to answer your question, uh, do I think any of this changes, Brinson, do you think any of it changes? Yeah, I, I mean, Buffalo is at 71% to make the playoffs now, according to the upshot. So I'm, I'm putting Buffalo in. They've got the Chargers and the Patriots next. Like, if they lose to one of the – if they lose to the Chargers and Stick or Bailey Zappi, then they they don't – then all the last three weeks have really been a waste of everyone's time. Uh, I don't think they will. I think they'll come out firing. I think they are in playoff mode. So – and then they get – then I think Miami's going to lose the next two weeks. I think the Bills – I think the Bills are going to win the division. Miami's going to be a wild card. There's a possibility Miami misses the playoffs, but no, 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 Miami can't miss now that they that they beat the Jets. Sorry. Um, and then you have Houston and Indy playing. Houston and Indy playing each other in Week 18. So you would think only one of those teams gets in with the Bengals playing. Do they have to play? I think, the beat the, I think they'll beat the. I think they'll beat the Steelers, lose to the Chiefs, and. Oh, beat the Browns who are resting their players. No, the Browns might not be resting their players because they play for the one seed. I'll say the Browns, Bengals, and Bills because I like the alliteration. Not yeah, I, I, might, right. I think the Bills make the most sense. I might just throw the Texans in there for fun, but I think Breach's Bengals are in. I, I want to see Jake Browning, uh, a, re, a Jake Browning Spielman revenge game every week from here on out. That'd be fun. Okay, right. so. Wait, Brenton, you have Browns, Bengals, and Bills? Yeah, and, and, and worth noting, I had the Texans. Actually, I'll probably go to uh, Bills, Bills, 
I'm going to have the Bills win the division. So my wildcard teams will be Miami or Cleveland, Miami, Houston. There, that's my final answer. Cleveland, Miami. And so they completely changed totally... all three answers. <laughs> all right. And so I'm glad I saw. And so, Wilson, you have Browns, Bengals, Bills? Uh, no, uh, Texans. Browns, Bengals, Texans? Or do you, you don't have yeah. the Bills in? No, I'm going to give the Texans the edge. You're going to, you were stumping for the Bills for the past two weeks, and now you're going to knock them out. Yeah, I, I want to do the CJ Stroud MVP thing. I, you're right. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm playing well. I think they're the favorites. I need to saw so I could play out the rest of the schedule on the old playoff machine so I could figure out who I think is getting in. Uh, Brent said, I know that you and I also see eye to eye that the Bills are going to win the AFC East with an 11 6 record. Uh, the Dolphins will also finish 11 and 6, but they obviously are going to lose a tiebreaker because they're going to get swept by the Bills. Uh, so I have the Browns as the fifth seed, the Colts as the sixth seed, and the Dolphins as the seventh seed. Oh, you guys are all in on the Bills, huh? The Dolphins is the seventh seed at eleven and six. Going back to Buffalo after in back to back weeks. Nope, I have the Chiefs as the second seed. Oh my God, Miami! So the Dolphins this? will play the Dolphins. Revenge game. Let's go, God. Colts, Jacksonville. Colts, Jacksonville, six three, and then Browns, Bills at five four. Oh my gosh! All right, we'll, we revisit, we'll revisit this next week when everything will change. <laughs> so look forward to that. All right, let's talk NFC real quick here. Before we get to the uh, most important matter of the evening, <laughs> the NFC South. Uh, shout out producer Harry for putting that on there on the back I end. I right loop the NFC South in on the NFC talk. Um, all right. I'll mention this quickly. Teams to clinch the playoffs berths. Uh, playoff berth. Uh, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles. Duh, duh, duh. Uh, Commanders have been eliminated. The Panthers were previously eliminated. The Cardinals are also donezo, as the kids said in 1967. Uh, Brenton. By the way, the Lions people. might as well have a playoff spot. Well, that it, it, it depends on what happens on Monday night. Yeah. Uh, I'll read this out for people who are listening. San Fran's number one. No surprise there. Uh, they're half game up on Philadelphia. He plays on Monday night, followed by Detroit at 10 and 4. Tampa is the fourth seed. Uh, Dallas is the fifth seed at 10 and 4. Minnesota and LA, both at 7 and 7, round out the playoff bubble just on the outside. New Orleans put a whooping on the Giants today. They're 7 and 7. Seattle plays on Monday night, and I'm not going to mention the other teams. The Falcons don't deserve it. Green Bay's playing terribly, and I'm pretty sure the Giants and, and Bears are just going through the motions at this point. All right, Brinson, make any mitches, misses, uh, <laughs> uh, mixes and matches that you would like. Well, to fix I mean, the, there's only so there's only three spots left, really, in the NFC side of things. There's the number four seed with the NFC South winner and the two uh, wild card teams. You could make the case that the Saints could get in. But look at the schedule. Saints at Rams next week. That is basically a playoff. Like, it, it, I mean, that is essentially like a play-in game for the playoffs with this few weeks left. Of course, the Seahawks are getting Philly on Monday night. Jalen Hurts now is like questionable to play. That's a huge. I mean, that's a that's a season-altering illness for Jalen Hurts if he can't go and the Seahawks can steal that that game. It does feel like Green Bay, even though they're at Carolina. Like let it slip away by losing to Tampa Bay. I think the Bucks and Baker Mayfield look like the best team. I think they're the four seed. The Rams are going to beat the Saints, and the Vikings are going to lose to the Lions. So the Rams are going to jump up to the six seed, which I think they'll end up getting. And then I have a hard time with Minnesota. I, I don't see Dan Campbell resting a ton of his guys in Week 18. Uh, I think I think the Vikings 
find a way to hold on for dear life to the seven seed, but more because of who is left, like who is the teams below them struggling to win games. All right, Breach, what do you got? Um, so you have who's your wild cards, Merton? Same, same as it is right now, but the Rams above the Vikings. So you have Rams, Vikings, Cowboys. Yeah, um, Cow- Cowboys, Rams, Vikings. Yeah. So you have the Eagles winning the division then? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it comes down if they win yeah, on they, Monday they, they night. Get the Giants, they get the Giants twice. Right. They have one of the easier schedules. They can lose uh, the Seahawks and still easily win the division. Yeah, no, easily. If they win Monday, you feel really comfortable about them winning the division. Uh, I agree mostly with Prince. I like the Buccaneers at four. I think Baker Mayfield, they look the best. The Saints just iffy. And like Princeton said, I don't think they are going to beat the Rams on Thursday night. And I just do not trust the Falcons at all. If you can't even beat the Panthers with your season essentially on the line, and Desmond Miller keeps throwing these backbreaking interceptions. Uh, so I have the Cowboys as the five seed, the Packers as the six seed, and the Rams as mm. the seventh seed. All right. I'm going to talk my way into Eugene Cyril Smith, the third working his way into the uh, playoff picture. I'll replace them with the Vikings. They need to win on Monday night. That would be a good start there. We'll talk quickly about the NFC South since we're talking about the NFC. And here's the what I was looking for. Um, as it regards to in regards to our buddy Des Ritter, who's struggling, and I agree with Brunson. The the way Baker May, Baker Mayfield is actually outplaying Tom Brady in his last year in Tampa, which is sort of funny. Um, but this is a quote from the Athletic after the game uh, when Breach, as you laid out the the interception there, the Falcons' defense is fifth in the NFL in success rate, ninth in yards per play, and hasn't allowed a touchdown in three of their last four games. However, Sunday marked the fourth straight loss in which an opponent has driven at least 70 yards to score the game-winning mm. points in the final 31 seconds. Not great. And then this season, Ritter has six turnovers in the red zone, three fumbles, and three interceptions. He is tied for the third most turnovers in the NFL with 16. It was funny when you talked about Josh Allen that way. Not so funny when you're talking about Des Ritter that way because that team is losing because of him. You can talk about the defense if you want. But I think Baker Mayfield, they, they feel like a team you don't want to face either if you end up getting them in the in the, uh, in the the O-Tournament, as Hootie Johnson used to call it. Baker's slinging it right now. I think uh, the Bucks. they're now at 63% to win the division. Saints, 31%. Falcons, 6%. You just can't lose that game if you're the Falcons. It's a, it's, it's, just a, it's a horrific loss. Saints, I mean, the season on the line, but so is the Rams when they go to when they go to Los Angeles next week. I'll take the Bucs. Baker's playing really well. He's not being asked to do too much. It's sort of reminiscent of, but he, but he's like making plays when he has to and making big throws where he needs to and playing within the offense. And it, it is, uh, you know, it's it's been like a kind of a revelation. I mean, I think, I guess the I mean, Dave Dave Canales, by the way, awesome job with the offense in Tampa Bay so far this year. Rashad White is a stud. Mike Evans, yeah. God, it's a fun team. It has been, I thought their performance today against the Packers in Green Bay, usually don't see Florida teams go up north in the middle of December and win games, uh, but they pulled that out. That was a huge win. It was an impressive win. Seems like the Packers have taken a couple steps back, but yeah, I think the Buccaneers look like the best. You cannot trust the Falcons. How can anyone trust the Falcons? I don't trust the Falcons. Uh I don't trust anyone in this division, but I think you guys are both right that it feels like the Buccaneers are playing the best football right now. All right, boys. Breach VP, Brinson VP, who wants to go first? I'll go first, and I'm going to stick with a guy that we just mentioned. The Bake Show, baby. 
Baker Mayfield, 22 of 28, 381 passing yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, a 158.3 passer rating. I believe he's it, the stat may be that he is the first perfect passer rating by a visiting quarterback at Lambeau Field in NFL history. You want like to turn the tables on him, Breach? Oh, you stole my stat that I already said in the podcast. Oh, did you already say that? <laughs> good, good. You know you did like repeat exactly what I even. said about Derrick Henry. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, I checked out. I was Googling some stuff while you were talking. But yeah, uh, Big Show. I'll, uh, I'll take Big Show as my MVP, the Prince of VP. Breach, is it going to be Cammy Fairbairn? Um, you know what? It is going to be Cammy Fairbairn. Is it? Because- or you just did that. Well, he was on my list. I have a list of four in case you guys steal my guys. Okay. Uh, and he was on my list for him to come back from an injury and miss multiple weeks and hit four field goals in a game the Texans absolutely had to have. And it wasn't just four normal field goals. We're talking about uh, a 53-yarder in the third quarter. That's a huge kick outdoors in December. Not easy. And then a 54-yard field goal in overtime. Again, outdoors in December, knowing that if you miss that kick, it's a tie game. There's no safety net here. And a tie throws a wrench into everything because now you're a half game behind Jacksonville instead of tied with them right now or a half game behind the Colts. So that would have been troubling. Fairbairn might have just saved the Texan season uh, with a phenomenal performance coming off uh, an injury. Heaven, heaven, like forbid, heaven forbid you go with Case Keenum, but yeah, I mean, Fairbairn. I mean, Case Keenum did not play well. I, I would go with Kaimi Fairbairn. You were Keep hyping Keenum up. He was YOLO on the ball all over the place. Fairbairn was him, the MVP of the team, Brenton. I called him no, MVP. This is the MVP section, not the did you play well for one quarter section. Oh, no, no, you striving it, baby. Breach, you, you missed another layup yet again in the Breach VP portion of the conversation. You could have gone with Giants. Desmond Conner. Ritter? You know, the Giants punter who had to kick a field goal because fat Randy Bullock pulled his hammy on the kickoff again. He had to limp off the field. He came back and they let Gillen kick. A, he smoked a 40 yarder. He had a He's, and he was actually a place kicker in college. So he had some experience doing that. He went to like Southwest Arkansas or something. Some, I think, is he Australian too? He's the Scottish Hammer. Oh, Scottish he's Hammer. Not the, he's not the Australian Hammer, Wilson. Right, he's a Scottish I can't Hammer. Remember, I can't remember which button is already missed. I want to press one, but I'm scared. Uh, he went to Arkansas Pine Bluff. I knew it was somewhere in Arkansas. So I was thinking about that, and it, I wonder why that doesn't happen more often. What? A, I can't hear it. Why, why, the, the, why you don't have a punter who can also kick? Mechanics are just so different that it's, it, it would throw you out of whack. McAfee kicked field goals a little bit and punted at West Virginia. Uh, we had Jamie Gillen do it, but the guy, you're not going to make it the NFL doing both. That's just... I think I'll win the, uh, the pick six kickoff if, if we do punt pass kick. I think I would, I would beat you in both punting and field goals. And don't you think somebody like Harbaugh or Belichick, like special teams guys, would have looked for Belichick that guy? Was, Belichick was asked about this recently and said, he goes, no, 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 it's, you just need to be too specialized these days to be able to do both things. Because it would save you a roster spot if you could yeah, do it, right. but it's just not. Yeah, ben, no, ben, he gave this like lengthy eleven minute answer when Ben Volan asked him about saving roster spots for placeholders and punters and kickers and all that stuff. All right, my uh, Wilson VP. It's going to be a three headed monster, and I'm going to go back a few days because I had to sit here like a a hole and watch this stupid game unfold. It has to be everybody's third round pick: Gardner Minshew, Trey Sermon. And Tyler Goodson, who ran all over the Steelers defense like they Trey were laying Sermon, down. Baby. 
Uh, Gardner Minshew was a tidy uh, 18 to 28, but he did have three passing touchdowns, and they absolutely decimated that sorry excuse for a Steelers defense. In their defense, they were hurt. Uh, they should have made Mr. Trubisky play nose tackle, by the way, by the end of that game, but it didn't happen. So what do you think about the, Mike Tomlin to the Chargers? Shout out to the Colts. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I would encourage you to Google Mike Tomlin USC and see his comments on that, and that'll give you the answer to Mike Tomlin to the Chargers. Um, no, Mike Tomlin. Is it, is it not time for Mike Tomlin to... No, it is not time. He would. It, let me put it this way: he'll be out of work for eight seconds. So, no, no, so saying like he would like. Do you think like Mike Tomlin would be like, I'm, I'm done here. I want to go to the Chargers. I don't, I don't know. Uh, his contract's up in 2024. We'll see. But uh, for now, that's a wrap. Ooh, him and Belichick only one year left. Easy to get rid. Maybe of. they could join, join, make a join trade, and, and put together an offense that scores less than three points a game. That'd be fun to watch. <laughs> All right, that's it, y'all. That's a wrap on Week 15 Sunday Night Super Friends. But don't worry. You can check out the Big Six podcast all week on YouTube at NFL on CBS. Brinson will be back on Monday. Breach and I'll be back with Brinson and Prisco on Tuesday. Check out the podcast wherever you get it. In the meantime, thanks to all you guys who hung out with us. We appreciate you for Brinson, for Breach, for producer Harry. I'm Ryan Wilson. See you guys later.